hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for three, three is saved, and Alonso follows it in! It's wonderful! It's marvellous! It's 3-3 in the European Cup final! Okay, welcome along. This is the Red Agenda, your weekly Liverpool uh, podcast. And as we end uh, 2019, there's so much to focus on for James Pearce, uh, Simon Hughes, and our special guest today, the Accrington Stanley manager, John Coleman, as well. Welcome along, gents. Brilliant to see you all. What a year. What a finish to the year. What a climax. Um, I think we'll talk first of all about whether we're watching one of the great sides. When you talk about great Liverpool sides, you might reflect on the team of 78-79 and how they won, won the league and didn't concede many goals. You might refer, of course, to Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, that, that team of the 80s. Or I think in the future you might be talking about this present-day team. Is, it, is that a fair enough comparison, Simon? I think, well, you've got to win the league first, haven't they? But, um, I mean, I can only judge it based on what I've seen. So I, I was born in 1983. I remember elements of 88 89 but in terms of you know looking at seasons and looking at teams and and remember them clearly for me that this it's not just this season is it it's, it's last season and the season before as well because we've seen the development of the team over over three three seasons which I think makes it slightly different to maybe the the, the periods when they've gone close under maybe Rafa Benitez or a couple of seasons in the mid 90s you can see this team's developed you know, season after season, getting better and better and better. You know, they haven't gone away. They haven't broken up. They haven't lost any of the key players. Um, and, you know, I just thought uh, that the Leicester game was just just highlighted just just how, how devastating Liverpool are, you know, or can be. You know, it was a, a game where they, they just totally controlled from start to finish. It could have been 3-0 up in the first couple of minutes. Um, I, mean, I, don't, the, I don't think the forward line actually played that well against Leicester, but the the, the, the rest of the team is so good. You know, it shows you now that you know that there's no real weak area of the team. I, I still think maybe the depth needs a little bit of improvement, but um, there's been so many memories over the last couple of seasons. You know, games, goals, uh, moments that fans are going to remember forever and ever, and I've been talking about forever. So. For that reason, for me, it's the greatest team that I've I've seen in my lifetime. But again, I can't really comment on the, the sort of the teams of the seventies. That that's always frustrated me. The it's always been somebody else's story. If they went, if they were to win this league this season and maybe even go the whole season unbeaten and compete for the Champions League, which is essentially what they, they nearly did last season. You know, they lost lost one game last season. You know, could have gone hundred points. Unbeaten first league title in 29 years. Well, he could do it this season to do that two seasons in a row. You know, you've got to put them You'd right have up your there. own story, then, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. For a different generation. Well, yeah. What about you, James? Does this, I mean, without wanting to get carried away, because it is all about winning stuff at the end of the day, and, and Liverpool have still got to cross the line, there's still a way to go to, for that league title, which has escaped them. Are you witnessing one of the great Liverpool sides? Yeah, I think undoubtedly, yeah. Certainly the best I've ever seen. Um, I think people will still be talking about this team in 40, 50 years' time. That, 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 that's special. I mean, you look at, you just look at the standards they've set. As Simon said, it's not like a, it's not a flash in the pan. You're not asking whether you know can they sustain it. They have sustained it over, over a long period now. Was it one defeat in 56 Premier League games? I think you know, dropped four points since February. Now that is just. I know Manchester City moved the goalposts a bit, didn't they, in terms of what was required. To, to compete for the title in this country. You know, it used to be the case that people used to say, oh, you could only lose three or four. 
Well, Liverpool lost one and still didn't win the league last season. But yeah, it's sometimes you because you're in the thick of it and the games just keep coming and coming and you know sometimes you don't really get the chance to to step away and sit back know, and appreciate yeah, while you're watching. And appre- yeah. yeah, because I think 2019 has just been you know an absolute privilege to to follow Liverpool everywhere and um and to see what this team have, have done and you know it's not just the talent it's the the hunger and the work ethic and you know what Klopp has created there and as Simon said the fact that it's just been this this you know a story of absolute sustained progress over the last four and a bit years the recruitment you know the man management the ability to get the absolute best out of players bringing young players through like Trent Alexander Arnold um Oh, it's just you know, European champions, world champions, and you know, well on their way to to being domestic champions as well. Hopefully, much more to come. Well, John, John Coleman will have a memory of the late seventies, the eighties, uh, and of course the last decade. So, how would you compare it, John? I mean, I'm spoiled, aren't I? Because I I saw them, and you know, <laughs> to, to coin the phrase in the song, win the championship in May. You know that that was the the, the norm for me growing up mm. as a kid. Well, the thing I find quite remarkable is um, to get as many points last year. That 97, did we get 96, 97 last year? Uh, yeah. yeah, 97. So to get seven, as many yeah. points as that and not win the league. I mean, when when we go back to the, the last time that we were touching distance to win the league, when we should have won the league. Um, and, you know, everyone goes on about Gerard slipping and that. But then the hangover to try and replicate that the following year, mm-hmm. I think it was a body blow and we, we never recovered from that. And I've had first-hand experience in this myself because I think we, about five years ago, uh, oh, sorry, about three or four years ago, Acklington got the most points that never got promoted in League Two. And I found it difficult to put the players up the next year. You know, it was a, for the ones who remained, it was like a, a body blow that they never, ever recovered hmm. from. And so for Liverpool to recover from the, from that last season, now the big shot in the arm of Zellan was obviously lifting the European Cup or Champions League. That was the big shot of adrenaline that I think we focused, reset them to go again this season. And to be able to do that, it, it, it's a, it takes a special bit of a leadership. There's a, there's a big debate about leaders and managers. And I don't think anybody would dispute that Jürgen Klopp's a leader, isn't he? You know, he, he's leading the people, he's leading the, the players, he's leading the fans, and he's got everyone believing. And, uh, and obviously he's a good manager as well, but you know, I think I think in football terms you need to be a leader. I think Liverpool needed a leader, and um, and I think it's a great feat. And and this team, what they've got now is something that's not really evident when you watch them, because you can't really put your finger on it. But it's a mental strength. It's that they seem to have that inner mental strength. Now you can say, well, okay, well we only lost one game last season, but the reason why we didn't win the league last season was because we drew games that we should have won. We're winning them games now. We're winning them, and and is that self belief? It that... is because the players expect them to win, but the fans, you know, we're not getting there. We're not getting there going into the last five minutes when the other team gets a corner and we go, and the self fulfilling prophecy. Everyone's turning around to each other in the match, going, "They're going to score from this. They're going to score from this." Mm. There's not that doom and gloom. Mm. There's this. Well, it's one-one. Well, six minutes left. We're going to win. It, and 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 once you've got that, it, it, you can't put your finger on it. But once you've got it, you've got it. And you can see Liverpool have got it. You know, you, the aura about them, they just believe they're going to win. And that is such a great feeling to have. And I know myself as a, as a manager, when you've got that, I mean, last se- the season before last, when 
when we eventually did win League Two. I think we won 17 out of 19 games. I mean, we're just going into games thinking, no matter what happens, we're going to win. And once you get that, it's a, it's a great it's a great uh, zone to be in. And I think Liverpool are in that zone. How long can you keep in that zone? <sighs> it's a unique thing to possess. It's, in the it's first addictive, place, isn't it? Isn't it? it, yeah. it, it it's, it's it's addictive. I, I think winning and I think I, I I go on about this game a lot. I think I probably mentioned it on the podcast a few times that the Aston Villa game for me was the big league game of the season because. Liverpool were behind so long in that game and they were playing okay, but had they lost that game, I think people would have interpreted it as being a, a, perhaps a, a performance that that um, lacked a little bit of aggression at times. But they kept going, they kept on putting balls in the box and then I just remember as soon as they, they equalised, I, I spoke to the guy who was reporting at the Athletic next to him and he said, you'll get a winner here. You can just tell Liverpool's players were lifted, Villa fell. And you look at the performances and form of the teams since that that game, Villa have lost a lot of confidence and fallen away. Liverpool have just carried on winning. Um, I, know, I know that, you know, they'd obviously won a lot of games before that, but I just think when you, you score late goals, it just gives teams so much belief. And I, I find it weird the way a lot of people interpret like goals as being jammy. I think it's the opposite of that. I oh. think it's 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 it just shows you just how strong this team is. They'll play until the last minute. I've never seen like goals as being lucky. It's it's, it's the exact opposite. It shows that the you know the endurance one, levels. One of the reasons why they score so many late goals is because teams are absolutely running themselves off their feet just to keep up with them. Yeah, yeah. and so by nature of that, last fifteen minutes, every team who play against them are out on the feet. You know, it's interesting. You go back to that game because. Obviously, we all like to have arguments with Evertonians or, or Everton <laughs> friends. And, and that weekend, you know, we got the, the jammy lark and all that. Like, But that weekend, Everton played Tottenham. And Everton um, were playing against 10 men. And when Goodison's up for it, the crowd is good. You know, Everton's fans are good. They get behind the team really well. And if you if you take... When Everton equalised against Tottenham, they still had six minutes of injury time to be played because they had that sending off the VAR and the, the bad injury and all that. Um and you look at the difference, when Everton equalised, they all dived into the crowd. Um, it took about a minute and a half to get back to kick-off. When Liverpool equalised on the same weekend, um, Robertson's got the ball yeah, up in yeah. it, splinted back and stuck it on the, on the centre's box saying, we've got enough time to win this game. Now Everton were just relieved that they hadn't lost the game. So it's a discipline, it's a mindset for it, It's Liverpool got to be a players. mindset. It's a mindset by, by a set of players mm. that drawing isn't enough. And at this moment in time, whatever way you dress it up now, Man City, as you say, have moved the goalposts. Draws in the Premiership now are the new losses. James, you've done a really interesting piece with Jordan Henderson over Christmas, and he was he was talking about maybe his discipline in terms of how he um, gets through the, the festive period. And his discipline is it's no other than any it's no different <laughs> than any other day in the year, essentially. But it was a really interesting read, and, and I just wondered whether every player in that squad is pretty much on the same. Level has the same mindset as yeah. Jordan Henderson. Do, do, do you know what? I think that, that shone through being over in Qatar last week for the Club World Cup mm. because you know, great scenes on the pitch after the after the final whistle in the, in the final and party in the dressing room for 15, 20 minutes. And then you speak to the players after that and you know, say, oh, is there a celebration back at the hotel tonight? And you know, Joe Gomez said to me, uh, in my celebration will be a recovery rub and my protein shake. And we're, we're, we're already thinking of Leicester. And sitting down with Jordan Henderson, you know that that is the mentality throughout the whole squad. Ties in what the guys are saying there about you know, it's not luck that they keep on finding a way. 
know, it's the mentality, it's what Klopp has created. Um, and yeah, it was interesting speaking to Jordan about you know, the, the contrast between his life at this time of the year compared to other people who, you know, obviously, you get you get the time off, you you overindulge, and you spend a lot of time with your family. Whilst you know, for for these footballers, you know, was it three games in the space of six or seven days? Um, talking about you know that trying to juggle that when he's you know, Jordan's got two two young girls who obviously want to see their dad at Christmas, but um, you know he, yeah he's you know he's an absolute model professional in terms of the the way that he uh, the way that he leads his life and even in the sense he doesn't drink and you you write in yeah. the article that he never had a drink after the Champions League yeah, win yeah, either which yeah. I think was, which stuck out to me he, more than anything yeah and he, and he Simon's <laughs> shaking his head there. He something wrong about that <laughs> I think, we, I think we, we had a couple for him yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You were working till about four. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I was just drained by the end of it, so I can understand how he felt. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, um, yeah, it was interesting. The fact he said, I think he, he said it in his own mind. He kind of said, right after, you know, if we win this final, then I, I will have a, I'll let my hair down and have a couple. But he said that, you know, as it was, he was that kind of high on the emotion and the the thrill of of lifting the European Cup. That he said, you know, he he just wanted to soak it all in and and uh, no, he didn't didn't uh, didn't have a drink. But I think Jurgen Klopp. Probably, probably made up for it, um, <laughs> but uh, you know it goes back to you know this hunger, doesn't it? That's running right the way through the the squad. It's you know wh- wh- why would you bask in the glory of the of the club World Cup when you know you've you've got you, there's you know it's such a critical stage of the season, and you know they want they want more. I remember James Milner stopping after the final in Madrid and saying he knew from his time at Manchester City the hardest one to win is the first mm. one. He said you know he said. I think this will be the start of a dynasty and a golden era for the club because he said we just needed to take that next step in order to in order to really really push on and you know, we've seen that since. Can you see a pivotal point in this season? You you keep mentioning the Villa game, don't you? In a number of the podcasts we've done, do you think people will look back at the end of <laughs> this season? Stop banging on about that. <laughs> yeah, will you stop it? Uh, do you think people will look back at this Leicester game and, right. and say that that really sort of confirmed things? 100%. First versus second. Probably the biggest margin on a pitch you're ever likely to see between a first versus second. Hundred percent. You know what? They surprised me last night. To be honest, like I, I was, I was sitting there on the TV, just going, "Wow, you know, how dominant they were! How assured they were!" How... I, I said to, I said to my daughter, I said, it, uh, "They're playing with a swagger. Mm. You could see it, it, it but it wasn't a, an overly um, a silly swagger. It was like we're good and we're going to win, and." it was just great to see them in that zone and to be honest I think that this is a bit of a war he said actually I think they've just gone well I'll tell you what let's stop messing about now and they've just like gone up a gear who can come up with them City are a top team City are an unbelievable team and it will only be Liverpool and City at the end when it, when it just settles there'll be a gap between Liverpool and City and the rest of them if we can maintain the form you know you're just ticking off the games I mean people say oh, on paper they're ticking off the tough games. You know, Everton will be a tough game um, because of the nature of a derby. Then you're all of a sudden you're saying, well, by the time we play City, it might be too late for City. You know, yeah. I, I think it's actually a good thing that we're playing them yeah, later yeah. on in the season. Definitely. that. I think they'll be disheartened by that, the position of that fixture. You know, it's it's the yeah. first week in April, isn't yeah. it? You know, there's only a few, three or four games, I think, left after that. I, it's just the aggression in this team, the appetite that word's been used before. You know, straight from the off last night, they were on it. It was like, you know, any... I was a bit concerned, you know, they might be a little bit jaded by... I thought that a hangover yeah. and, you know, mm. the winning... The, I mean, a lot's being made of this, of this World Cup, hasn't it? It doesn't really get the publicity 
Oh, well, this year it has, but I, I can't remember ever reading about the, the, the Club World Cup. It's, it's not yeah. more interest to me, but it has been a big thing. And I thought all that, and then the travelling there, you know, and I, I know you're saying that they're travelling first class and they're, they're probably asleep all the way there and all the way back, <laughs> but you know, the, the harsh reality is it, it, it is draining travelling anywhere. And, you know, professional footballers and then a, a, a busy schedule. He looked fresh as daisies, didn't he? Yeah. But he? But he has juggled the squad appropriately, he has. hasn't he? Yeah. That, that, that's the... I mean, I think if we're at the end of January and you've got through that, that fixture uh, run of... I think it's it's Tottenham, United, Wolves. If you get the other side of that with a healthy buffer between them and City, you know, there's just no way that but, they're going to be know, able you to know, catch you, them, you go on about turning points in, in seasons and, you know, and obviously I thought that last the game was a watershed but what, what was also interesting is I think every Liverpool fan and let, let's be honest we're all fans you know we're all passionate I think every Liverpool fan when they saw the team that they put out against Everton groaned you know because yeah. you want to win the derby no matter what forget everything else you just want to win the derby to win it as comprehensively as they did and score the goals that they did with what people would, mm. would perceive as a weak inside I think that's everyone's gone well we have got people who can come in we have got people mm. who can who can score mm. good goals, who can make good good chances. And I think everyone had thought, well, we've only really got a good 11, 12, and all of a sudden now we haven't, have we? We've got... It's a good squad, isn't it? Yeah. 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 How's Klopp's football changed in, in two years? Besides just the personnel, you know, your Van Dykes and your, your Beckers. We're talking about the counter-press and the, the way we Because two years ago, we, we were still watching great football yeah, under yeah. Jurgen Klopp, weren't we? Yeah, it, it definitely has... I think I think he's adjusted to the demands of the English game. I think he's learnt and and evolved as a manager during his his time in England. I think you know you you go back to those early days under him where you know it was it was very gung ho, wasn't it? You know Liverpool were winning when they, when they were winning, they tended to win games by some some crazy crazy score lines and certainly would, would quite often leave themselves open defensively. You know I think over time we've seen Liverpool play with so much more control and and discipline. And maturity, I think that's you know with with the experiences they've been through, they know how to how to boss games. I think Leicester was the perfect example of that. I mean, you know, ridiculous that a, a top of the table class should be as one sided as that. But they, you know, as John's mentioned, the word swagger and that you know that's what this team play with now. They don't take unnecessary risks. We've seen that in a lot of games where you know you know they almost keep back energy because you know I think Klopp knows there's no you don't you it's not realistic in this league with the amount of games they've got to go absolutely full throttle every single time some there are times when they play within themselves and do just enough to to get the job done but when they need to they can go up a few gears and and blow teams away like they did to Leicester. So we're just talking maturity, are we? It's part of all. We're, we're not looking like conceding it late on. Like I think that was one of maybe one of the flaws. A little bit of nerves yeah. crept in. We're managing. We're managing games a lot better now. You know, because we've, we've all had this fear when we're winning one 0 or two one. Oh, we're going to concede them. The, one of the big areas that has been is improved is defending set, set pieces for mm. me. Yeah, you know, we, we don't look as fragile as what we had done in previous years. One of the big things that I wasn't a lover of it, and if hands on heart, I'm still not a lover of it, but I haven't got VAR in my league. How high they defend um, set, uh, free kicks. So free kicks into the box, they're very, very brave. They're the highest line that you will ever see. They're probably eight yards higher than any other team in the league. Now, is that a direct result of, well, VAR's there, so we know that 
if they are offside, they are offside. So no one's going to get away from it. It's very difficult to plop that ball in and get the, the run timed. So I was having kittens every time I see them. They're too high, they're too high, they're too high. <laughs> They've conceded a couple. You know, a couple in about 18 months ain't bad, is it? You know what I mean? So as much as it, as it, it still gives me the, the, the jitters, it's working. Mm. You know, how many times you see a free kick go in even if they put it in, yeah, it's, it's offside, yeah, it's offside. I, I just think that that falls into another thing, which we, we maybe don't talk too much about. It. They're quite innovative, Liverpool, aren't they? Like, yeah. you know, they, they do try and do things a bit differently that other, maybe other managers and other clubs haven't done, you know. You, like a throwing coach. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, you know, it's those little mm-hmm. little gains that you're going to get. Um, and they do eventually, you know, will will, will have an impact if, if, you, if you work on them enough, you know, I know, behind the scenes, you know, in terms of keeping the players fit. You know, we, me and John were talking on the way up about, you know, the, the, the endurance of the front, the forwards, really. I mean, it's only, a F- Firmino got injured, didn't he, um, last season. Uh, was that Newcastle, wasn't it? That's, that's about the only injury that they've had uh, to the forward line. Um, and I know they've had a couple of injuries this season, but they've been in matches. You don't hear about Liverpool players picking up injuries in training anymore, you know, which used to, used to be a bit of an issue, didn't it? Particularly if the team's going to be... Um, training with the level of intensity that it does because it's at match speed the training you know so you know you've got to have to keep players fit and I, I just think they look like the fittest team don't they people talk about like the sort of the the counter press and everything else but I, I think they've, they've, they've sort of they've developed more patience in the play but they're still very fit you know it'd be a nightmare to play against Liverpool wouldn't it you just hate to play against them because you know they've got the skill the power the fitness you know they're just incredible I think well it's an ins- you know everyone goes on about this press and how, how intense you've got to be but um, what really pleases me watching sometimes they can get a bit boring when um, when Matip and Van Zijk are passing it to each other and that, that, that's what cost us games last year you know the, mm. the last game that we drew the intensity play when they've got the ball, it's frightening. And that's what size with the teams out. That's mm. why they're scoring so many late goals because they're, they're just... Well, I like to I like to tell our players to play like rabid dogs, but they, they're, <laughs> they're just, they've got so much energy. They've got so much willingness to make runs, to overlap, to get your full-backs pushed on. I mean, let's let's be honest. They play with two two defenders, don't they? They have Fabinho sitting in front. And then everyone else can play up front. Everyone else goes <laughs> and plays where they want up front. And it's great. It's brilliant to watch as a fan, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I love watching football as a fan. And sometimes I get, I get a little bit carried away with my own team because I I, I want to enjoy what I see. You know, I, I don't want my, my team to play, you know, just big boots and try and get the second balls. And I, I want to be entertained by my team. So when I go and watch Liverpool, I, I want to be thrilled. And, and this team is thrilling me. Right, that leads us tidily into our next topic. We're going to talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold. This is the the Red Agenda uh, exclusive to The Athletic. Uh, Your regular athletic writers, Simon Hughes, James Pearce here, uh, and John Coleman, the Accrington Stanley manager as well. So let's talk about Trent, the scouser in our team. It doesn't massively matter there's a scouser in the team, but actually the fact that Liverpool are doing so well, having a scouser in the team takes it to a, a slightly different level. Well, I think it... Does it matter? It's, it's not you? just sentimental nonsense. Yeah. I think it does. It does actually matter in a in a very on a sporting level because I think Trent has all the characteristics mm. of somebody from Liverpool. You know the aggression, sort of the never say die sort of attitude. So you can plus, associate with plus it. The, you know, you you think about you know what happens in that Barcelona game. You know where he takes the the quick corner. 
Like, I'm not sure whether a player from another part of the country might think I'm going to do this. Look, you know, just like sort of the streetwise sort of footballer. That's what he is, isn't he? You know, he can see, he can see the pitch around him. You know, it's not just about what he's doing. So, I think it does matter. You know, I think Liverpool. You obviously don't just want somebody in the team just for the sake of having, you know, a Liverpool person in the team. But I think if you've got some of those characteristics well, within, well, he's the not team, a token scouser, is he? No, he's not. He's certainly yeah, not. He's and there it, on merit. Yeah, he's there on merit. I mean, it, uh, but I think. All the things that you'd want from a Liverpool player, you know, he's got a bit of Gerrard, he's got a bit of Carragher, he's got all those sorts of things, which which helps a team become a better team. And you know, that's aside from his, his just his natural ability. You know, I just think, you know, he's been um, for me now. Who's more exciting player to watch in world football at the moment? There's not many, which is mad when you're saying it about a, a right back. I mean it. He gets me off my feet when he get when he's on the ball. I'm thinking something's going to happen here. It, it, well, you, it doesn't you keep, take. You it, keep saying right back, but as John keeps saying, yeah, he's not really well, right, he's not, right he's back, not. is he? He's not. Well, I, I said for years, you know, Liverpool by nature of being Liverpool Football Club, they generally dominate at home. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I go, I go back to the days when if Liverpool lost at home, it made the news. You know, it made it made the uh, not the sports news. It made the news <laughs> uh, because Liverpool didn't lose at home. You know, you can count them on one hand. So I've always maintained over the last 10 years about Liverpool is that you may as well play with players like that because you're going to have loads of the ball, you're going to suck the ball, you need attacking full-backs. And I, I thought, I thought uh, Glenn Johnson would have been that, to be fair. Like I, thought, you know, he, I thought he had the attributes to be like that. But he's gone to another level. You know, I'd still like to see him improve defensively. But what he, what he gives us is when we know we're going to have loads of the ball, you've got another player out there whose delivery is fantastic. I mean, the, the pass for the, the, pass for the, the, the equaliser in the... the um, in the World Club semi-final, hmm. you know, oh, me, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. felted in it, against it, Monterey. It was it was wonderful, yeah, wasn't it? It's the last un- unbelievable ball, and, and so not only can he first them in, you know, sometimes he annoys me with his corners when he tries to put too much on and they don't go above chest height. But then all the times he puts unbelievable deliveries in, and you think, oh, oh my words, how's he done that? You know, the, the cross last night for the goal, you know. But the, the one he's, he's fed into Firmino, he knows exactly what he's doing. Huge, huge intelligence. And, and you've looked at the stats, haven't you, James, in terms of what he's been producing? Yeah, I mean, 20, 20 Premier League assists since the start of last season. Yeah, no no, no player in the top flight. Who's close to him? De Bruyne comes close Robertson. to him? Yeah, Robert, Robertson's not, Robertson? not far behind. I mean, yeah, 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 I mean, he's, you know, I don't think there's a, there isn't a more physically demanding role in this club team than than being you know in either full-back position because so much is expected mm. of them. You know both both ways, and you know sometimes I have a bit of sympathy for Trent Alexander Arnold when he does get criticised defensively because I think sometimes it, he's only carrying out orders. The fact that you know he is told to operate so far up up the field. I mean, I think looked at the stats from the last game. I think nearly forty of his sixty passes were inside Leicester's half. You know he, he doesn't he doesn't spend an awful lot of time um, defending. Um, and obviously, there, there are times when you know when Liverpool lose the ball, when suddenly you know there is there is space in behind him, and he has to cover an awful lot of ground to try and get back. But yeah, I mean, there's, for, for a number of years now, there's been this talk about Woody moving to centre midfield, almost the, the same journey as you know his boyhood hero Steven Gerrard going from right back to you know you know kind of commanding centre midfielder. But he's that important to this Klopp team. I don't think there is. But that's a, that's a conversation spawned from his academy days, isn't it? Yeah, Where he started single off as a centre forwards, didn't he? And mixed he, him around. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's gone backwards rather than forwards. In, yeah, yeah. In, in his position in the team, and I think now he's at the he's at the position. 
as you said before, why would you want to change him? He's so influential where he plays. Yeah, that I don't think there's any game back for him in midfield or up front. No, no, it's it's, it's the way football football goes in cycles as well, doesn't it? So Klopp is sort of. I think you know it has been a deliberate decision to to, to you know to give the ball to the fullbacks as much as as you can. Now in a few years' time, that might change, that might change. and it might mean that he's well, he, he can't, but he could play anywhere well, last, on the pitch. The, the last fullback who, who did this really is Gareth Bale, and you know yeah, Gareth Bale true. went from yeah, being a, yeah. a a bombing on fullback to being a centre forward, and or or a wide wide in a, in a three, and so he's probably the last one who's who's gone. Well, he's that good going forward. Maybe push me even further forwards. I just think I'm coming on to things. I think you get the best out of him. I think it's interesting to look at the personality of some of the players who are doing really well. So your Milners, your Hendersons, we know them. And, of course, we've been around Trent as well. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, Trent joined me for the under nine signing that Liverpool <laughs> do. Uh, incredible. He turned up with his mum and, and we had a good chat both on and off the stage. And such a grounded in- individual. Yeah. But not not an ounce of superstardom in him. No, 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 not at all. No, I think, and and that's testament to the the family around him. I think you know having having good influences around you is is so important isn't it? for talent alone. You take you so far, but he's never he's never been allowed to you know even if he if he'd wanted to, he's never been allowed to get carried away with what's mm. happened to him. Still um, lives at home, still, does he? Yeah. Still, yeah, still lives yeah. at home with his. With his parents and his his two brothers and his you know his older brother Tyler is his agent, um, and looks after you know that side of things for him and you know you know not surprisingly he's absolutely inundated with you can imagine every every major brand in the world wants to be associated with Trent Alexander Arnold but you know, picks and chooses what he does you know huge amount of charity work he does you know he's an ambassador for an hour for others a Liverpool based charity the stuff he does for the for the food banks and I remember when I interviewed him earlier on this season you know he. He spoke really well about that, saying that you know, he said you know, it comes for him. It's part of being a Liverpool player. You have to, you give back to your people, to your community, and that isn't just on the field on a Saturday or a Wednesday night. That is, you know, he said, you know, that is a something I want to, what I want to do throughout the week because um, he, he feels like that is that's his duty. And uh, yeah, that you know, that the type of personality he is and. And the work ethic. I and mean, I did an interview with Pep Linders recently, and he was talking about when when Trent was his captain in Liverpool under 16s. He'd say they Trent would demand that they stayed after training when everyone else had gone in, and and they would work on particular drills. And he said it would reach a point where the groundsman at Kirby would turn the floodlights off, and they were both just left in 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 the pitch black, trying to find their way back to the the main building across the pitches. Because he said he just he, he said you know he. Even then, he just had this this amazing thirst to learn and to get better and to develop, and it was like a sponge in terms of taking on information. And you know, in, in that Pep Linders under 16s team, he was actually a holding midfielder. And you know, in like I think Pep Linders said they played like a three four three formation. And um, but yeah, he's just you know, the development since then. I mean, it was actually Brendan Rodgers who gave him his first taste of senior football in a friendly at Swindon Town four and a half years ago. Um, you know, thrown in at the deep end then, and you look at what he's achieved now. Um, he's still only twenty-one years of age as well. You know, he's got the got the got the world at his feet. I love that idea of him being the last on the training ground. They're the iconic stories, the stories that almost become a bit of myth. Yeah, around them, you hear about Zidane and Beckham, and yeah. Well, when I, when I um, before they got to the final in Kiev, I I did it when I was. I'm allowed to mention that I used to work for the Independent, aren't I? But I, I did, I did a, a, an article about him then, and he actually went to school just over the road 
from where I live. So I went and spoke to his PE teacher, who, funnily enough, it was a school that didn't play football matches. It was a rugby school. And, you know, his first sort of sport and talent at that school, he was identified as, as being a very decent rugby player as well. He was one of those sort of annoyingly talented people who'd be good at any sport, sport I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I remember there was a story about how he, he went and played for St Mary's up on the coast in North Wales and there was a, a um there was a, a professional rugby player watching that game. It just happened to be at that game and he, he picked Trent out as somebody who could could potentially play rugby union, which is all a bit mad. This was before he, he got put in, I think he, he got sent to Rainhill School, which had a association with Liverpool at the time. So he got moved around schools a little bit. I mean I just just to go back to the original point that you said about sort of, you know, having the, the scouting in, in the team and I always think back to that that champ in, in the Champions League final, and John might disagree with this because I know we spoke afterwards about the performance on that night. I just thought it was so important to get over the line because of all the disappointments Liverpool had had. Everything else can just you can forget about. And I remember, you know, Trent on the pitch afterwards, and the reporter going up to him saying, "Oh well, you know, the performance wasn't great, was it? Really, sort of thing." You know, saying <laughs> it wasn't a great game, you know, to, to watch. And Trent was like, "That doesn't matter. <laughs> so just won the final. No one's going to be talking about that in thirty years' time." You know. <laughs> So it shows you that he, you know, I think that it shows you that he sort of sees the bigger picture, you know, in terms of just get over the line. And, you know, I, I just, I just, he's got that, that, as I said before, that sort of streetwise nature that you, you want from a local base player. And I remember speaking to, you know, guys at the academy like James, who'd been coaching him, you know, years and years before at the age of 12. And he was that sort of player who, who um, you know, everybody spoke about as having the potential to go and become a professional. But then, I just think his rate of progression has been incredible over the last two seasons. You think about the season when they did get to the first Champions League final under Klopp. You know, you could tell he was still learning his way, you know, but he's been learning his way at the highest level of the game. Yeah. You know, it's not like he's been going in in a team where, you know, sort of he can afford to have a few off games. You know, if he makes a bad mistake, it gets remembered, but he doesn't make that many. I know he, his defending probably can improve to some extent, but he doesn't make that many mistakes, does he? You know what I mean? For a lad to be learning his trade at the level that Liverpool are playing at, I just think it says everything about, you know, the standards where he is at the moment. I mean, it's interesting you, sh- you say about the grounds and all he's obviously got a good family behind him but I think Liverpool the way they manage the players is good isn't it you know I mean there's no there's no standout characters who, who do things off the wall everything's everything's the way it should be isn't it you know no one gets ahead of themselves no one comes out doing stupid interviews no one comes which isn't to... easy when you're looking after 24 exactly. 25 young lads isn't you know, it multi-millionaires and you know there's no no one driving stupid cars and doing stupid things and doing things that will let the club down. They all seem to, I don't know whether they do self-police each other, but you can see that there's an ethos around yeah. it and that's being managed well by the club and the club have to take a lot of you know credit for that and, and the players themselves, you know, for, for adhering to that, you know, you'd say a lot of them won't drink. Um, a lot of them know that this is the time that you dedicate as much as you can because, you know, let's, they're only going to be at the top of the game for four or five years, aren't they? So, you know, they, they, they're eking everything out of it. And I think that's a credit to the players and a credit to the way the management get the best out of the players. It, it seems to me, you know, that there is a structure within that dressing room, I think. And I think you've got to give the manager the cre- yeah. some credit for... Because I remember when, uh, it was 18 months ago when they, they decided to appoint a vice-captain and then a third-captain and then a fourth. So they've got four captains, Liverpool. Yeah. And... Um, 
Wayne Alden's the fourth of those captains, right? And saying, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it only came out last week the story about how in Madrid, you know, just before they're about to go out, you know, everything had been said that needed to be said. But Wayne Alden apparently, you know, got them all together in the changing room and just gave them that another little sort of pep talk. Mm-hmm. So like, we don't let this happen again. What you know, and sort of got everybody really focused. And some of the players have said that that really helps at that moment in time. You know, it just shows you. You know, he, he's probably the least spoken about player. I think Wayne Alderman in this Liverpool team, and I think he's a great. I just love his his strength. You know, he's such a strong player. You, you trust him with the ball all the time. I, I've seen a lot of games, sort of, uh, sort of more or less pitch hard this season, and you do see a different game when you, you're at that level. You realise how physical the game is, and he he's absolutely brilliant player for Liverpool. I think, but it just shows you again. Just going back to what John was saying, that I think that there's a lot of leaders in this team. They've gone from being a team where. I I've got to be honest, I couldn't see any leaders three or four years ago. Whereas now, it's just right across the You couldn't imagine Balotelli operating in that team. No, no, I don't think so. (laughs) He doesn't quite fit the mould, does he? Right, let's link through to the Club World Cup. Uh, I think I've got an idea how John will treat this in a moment or two. So we'll we'll start with the other side side of the table. Of course, James has been out in Doha, in in Qatar. Um, Obviously, it's, it's the trophy cabinet complete now, isn't it? And they did it in a very Liverpool fashion, leaving it late in both games. <laughs> yeah, and it, it felt significant actually, just because I think we talk about like just significant, significant just to it, Liverpool or world football. No, well, I think for Liverpool and just in the context of the season as well, because I just think there've been such a fuss about you know should they should they have gone full stop and having, having made the decision to go, should he have maybe mixed the squad up and and treated the the Villa Carabao Cup tie bit more seriously rather than fielding a youth team so I think having made the decision he had done and and said no 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 we are we are going flat out to do this I think Liverpool had to go there and win it I think to not go there and win it um you know would have would have been a would have been a setback in a in a season where you know there's been very very few of them um and you know Liverpool showcased where they are in, in terms of world football because you know Flamengo that was you speak to any of the, the Brazilian reporters, that was absolutely huge for them. You know, it was 15,000 Flamengo fans that had descended on Qatar. You know, they were talking about it was their biggest game for 38 years since they beat Liverpool in 81. Um, and, you know, I think they'd, they'd, they'd won the Copa Libertadores, they'd won the Brazilian league, so they were trying to, um, you know, complete the treble that they'd, they'd never done before. So viewed um, as a big deal for yeah, South oh, America. Huge, yeah, yeah, and, you know, it's, and it's so different. The view of that competition in South America is in absolute stark contrast to the way it's viewed in England. Um, you know, I think I think I think probably perceptions have changed a little bit. Um I think I think you know obviously FIFA are in the process of uh, of overhauling the competition. I think you know next year it's it's back in Qatar again and then we're going to have this um you know they, they, I think they're changing it into is it going to be 20 odd teams or something in the club <laughs> world cup. Yeah. I think I think I think Liverpool are already guaranteed of being involved in the 2021 one in China because they're expanding it to include Champions League winners from from recent years. So um yeah, it was the one major accolade so, Liverpool had never got their hands on and it's only getting bigger in terms of co- competition but yet maybe you referred to it before John in a bit more of a I can say derogatory but but but, but, but a cup that wasn't Completely necessary. Yeah, is it? Is it important for Liverpool? It's, you know what? I'm going to really sound terrible here, but <laughs> I've flip flops. You know, I would have sooner <laughs> won the League Cup. I'll be honest with you. You know, I remember going to to watch Liverpool and finals and winning the League Cup. You know, I remember beating Everton um, in the replay and just 
having great days watching Liverpool win League Cups and you know I think one of my big stats was uh, four out of the last seven league title winners has won the League Cup as well so I was I was championing that but then since they went over there and, and they won it I've changed now I'm absolutely delighted about it and it's great to say that you're champions of the world but it's interesting to say what James was saying there once they made the decision that they were going they had to, they had to win it now would they have played with the same swagger against Leicester if they hadn't won that? No. No. I don't think so. They wouldn't have. No. I don't think they could have. Would they have been as fresh as daisies as they were? No, because it's all about this. It's all about the psychological yeah. response. And I think, having, having made the decision to go, they had to win it. They dealt with the pressure. They won it. They come back now and they go, right, that, that's parked. And let's go for the next one. And I think... I think Liverpool, because Liverpool, you know, we all have these this banter with the with our friends from uh, from Everton that you know, um, you know, he's don't have any scousers in the in the in the crowd. Liverpool are a global phenomenon, you know. Let's get a state, and that's just elevated them even more. And I think what Liverpool have done for that competition, I think they've pushed it up a level now. Yeah. So I think it'll get far more coverage next year because of Liverpool going there and winning it. Did it matter? Sam? I think it does matter. I think the way. The way they won the final, as I said before, it's it's addictive, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. I thought yeah. it was a, a few people were saying to me that they didn't think it, it was a great final. Funnily enough, it tended I to be. It was a good game. I thought yeah. it was a great final. It was I thought it was team intense. Yeah. Yeah. It was an intense final, you know, and it tends to be supporters of clubs that haven't won many finals mm. that were saying that. Funnily enough, but <laughs> I I just think Liverpool managed that game superbly. It, it's another reference point for the players, isn't it? You know, they, they've they've ground out the victory against Tottenham and Madrid. They've won the European Super Cup in quite testing circumstances, you know, draining game, uh, and then they've they've obviously gone and won uh, the, the World Club, cha- the World Club Cup, I keep going World Club, Club World Cup, Club World Cup, <laughs> changed names so many times. But I, I think to win another final in those circumstances, I remember obviously missing that they didn't get the penalty in the in the last minute, you know, and the, the commentator says, "Oh, you know, when you get the feeling, it's not going to be your night," and. Other teams, I think, may have felt that way, the way it had all panned out. Liverpool Not this Liverpool team. I just thought, the longer this game goes on, if it goes to extra time, Liverpool are going to win. Mm-hmm. Because, again, the fitness levels. I know Flamengo played a lot of games over the last year, but I just think it's another thing that they're gonna, they'll are going they have in their memory, you know, over the course of the next uh, couple of months. You know, when they have some testing times, you know, when, when you know, they're sort of, it's not going their way. You know, I, I think it's... it's I, I was the same as John. I, I sort of thought, well, you know, the League Cup... You know, it's great for the fans to all pile down to Wembley, and you know, it, it is great. You know, the, 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 those experiences, and obviously, not as many people were able to experience uh, Qatar. But now, having won it, it, it just feels, you know, this it sets Liverpool on on a different level to any other club in the country or Europe, or you know, the right at the top, aren't they? Now, so it's um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a really important experience for the players, first and foremost. That's the mo- that's the most important thing at this moment, I would say. Well, the experience definitely. But you spoke to a few in the mix zone afterwards, James, for the interviews. Do you think personally, it's an important badge for them to wear? Oh, if you're Saudi Omani, if you're yeah. Mo Salah. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, you could you could see what it what it what it meant to them afterwards. You know, it you know it, it was it was huge. They were they were. I think it was Andy Robertson was saying that they'd had a meeting at Melwood back in October, and and Klopp had said to them, look, you know, the, the club have had this invitation from FIFA to take part in this. The, you know, the club the club want us to to go to Qatar. How do you all feel about it? You know, do, you know what is the what is the attitude in the squad? And they, you know, he said to a man, they all said, well, we want to win it. You know, we want to be world champions. But, you know. 
you know, and he said, you know, from that moment onwards, there wasn't any shadow of a doubt in the players' minds that you know, there was no thoughts of, you know, maybe we should have one eye on Villa or maybe a few should stay behind and, and help the kids out there. It was, you know, mm. let, let's be world champions. You know, I what? think it's, it's, it's interesting now, you know, the, the the last time we were in it gets revisited, doesn't it? And you hear the tales about how bitterly disappointed the players yeah, were yeah, yeah. Mm. at the time when they lost it. That was in 2000. 2005. And how much the players wanted to win it that day as well. Yeah. It's, it's on the wall now, uh, both at Anfield and uh, down at Melwood as well. Uh, right, John Coleman isn't just here out of his love for Liverpool, although he's enjoyed waxing lyrical about that. Uh, James went to Qatar and you, Simon, went where? Well, I went to Accrington. In, yeah, I went to Bristol Rovers in September with, with John. Yeah, with Accrington, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we like to hear, isn't it? So John kindly invited you behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's not just so because John, he's... John's here off the back of a victory, by the way, yeah, against yeah. Blackpool. Yeah. So he's he's in good mood. So what, what what's the form at the moment, then, John? You're in good form. At we're the unbeaten in six, um, yeah. and we're starting to score. We we went five and a half games without scoring, and it was absolutely devastating because we were getting goals disallowed. We were missing absolute citizen. Um, you know that one man he missed yesterday we, we've been missing them on a regular basis <laughs> and uh, you're just thinking where's the next goal coming from and then all of a sudden you score seven against Bolton and you think what oh, what was all, what we all worried about yeah. um, and I think that's just the, the thing the, the lads have got a bit more confidence they, they feel as though they could score goals which if you score goals you always feel you can win games mm. give, us a, give us an insight into what you, you found with that Accrington squad well, I mean I, I, I've, I've obviously spent a bit of time with John and various different um, pieces that I've written over the last few years and you know th- this was different to the others because obviously it was the whole weekend and an away day and you know you, it's a slightly different well it's obviously a different preparation and you know I spent um, I went down with the team on the Friday night or the Friday after, well morning wasn't it actually yeah. went down on the Friday morning and spent uh, the day in Bristol and then took part in, in all the um, activities in the evening that John um, watched his train on the Friday watched his train yeah watched his train Herbie Kane was there yeah yeah Herbie Kane who, who is obviously yeah. played for Liverpool against Aston Villa he he's from Bristol and he had a weekend off that weekend and it just turns out that he you know he, he decided to go down to Avonmouth where you were training and he was watching and John was trying to sign him and he was he was uh, he was still hoping that he's going to get a game at Liverpool which he, he's made his debut now hasn't he I guess but that was it was a brilliant um, insight for me I've got to, I'm not just saying this because John's here you know those sort of experiences are what you know what you go into writing for you know to, mm. to to see stuff that people don't get to see you know to really you know to be inside the dressing room in those moments before in the hour before the kickoff was just a real eye opener. Um, and to see how, just how relationships work at football clubs, and and um, that's what I love about Accrington. I mean, I I don't think John. I'm not just saying this because he's sitting next to me. I don't think he gets a, enough credit for what he's achieved at that club, um, based on where they have been. I think it's because, you know, Accrington's rise has been sort of a long term rise. It hasn't been, you know, sort of a meteoric rise yeah. through the leagues you know bit by bit by bit year upon year getting better and better you know when John took over Atkinson they were in um, they were in the Northern Premier League Division 1 and now they're in League 1 competing against Sunderland it's just insane because they've they've been there you know for, for a couple of seasons now it's just accepted as the norm you know and um, to see you know to see, it's quite interesting because you mentioned about the, the sort of scousers in the team I remember having a conversation with John about you know, obviously, John, John's had a, a lot of scousers in his team over the years. And I, I remember saying to you on a, on a previous uh, piece that I wrote with him about, can you have too many, really? Because, 
you know what what happens then you know nobody's ever this this ideal of, of Liverpool having a team full of scousers it might not quite work as um as well as as, as people might envisage I remember you saying that you know well, you, you can't have too many you can have yeah, too you many can, yeah. you can certainly have too many because you know <laughs> they've got great traits you know obviously I'm from Liverpool myself but you know they're very loyal very very committed um, very argumentative <laughs> <laughs> but but you get too many in the team and they, they, they won't take each other out because they're very loyal to each other. And they can create create a blame culture where they want it. it's everyone else's fault but their own. Um, and they don't take enough responsibility for their actions when they're in a collective group. And so I I, I would say that the the maximum or the, or the optimum is five. Um, and any, anything after that is a bit too much and it's it gets a bit overpowering. And it gets difficult to manage as well. Mm. You know, you've got to keep a lid on them. Um, and, you know, the, the way that they, the passion that they show, I think everybody, I think everybody in the world would love to have a scouser playing for them. Honestly, I do. Because because of what they, what they bring you, the commitment that they bring you, they go through a brick wall for you. Uh, and I've had so many, I've been privileged to have so many of them play for me and, and do absolute wonders and do wonders for my career as well you know give me a leg up along the way mm. mm. yeah and of course scouts managers with the same trait I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of being in the dressing room for the team talk because in, in what 20 odd years in football myself I've never seen a team talk at a professional level and I'm, I'm just there's no manual for it is there John yeah. I, I would presume you'd love to watch maybe Jurgen Klopp do one I would, I would actually yeah and <laughs> you know I always wonder, am I saying the right things? I always think a lot about what I'm going to say. I always mm. think a lot about what I'm going to say at half-time. That's right. As I've got older, I've got a bit, little bit... I'd like to think I've got a little bit wiser. I? I think less is more. You know, I think... You, you, so the you, teacups don't go anymore? No, not anymore. I've, I, I have been known to, to kick things and throw things, but I, I, I have mellowed over the years. But I, I, I've found that if you... Cut it down to bite-sized little pieces of information, and Simon, you know, was witness to that. You know, I, I don't really, I say a little bit, but not a lot. I, I, I try to to cut it down so that they can retain mm. the information. And you know, it. I would like to see other people do, to be honest, like and see how they react. And sometimes some adversity as well. And I think, um, I think you're always trying to learn. You're always trying to to get better at what you do and I, I'm trying to do every day as a school day for me I'm always trying to improve but sometimes I bore myself there's only so many things you can say <laughs> as a and sometimes and, I bore myself honestly I, I've said this so many times you know you, you'd you, never let yourself be videoed like the Salzburg manager uh, I wouldn't like to no, no. I mean I have been what, I have been what did Jürgen say about that <laughs> no chance he, he said he'd walk away didn't he, he, said <laughs> he, he the, the day that Liverpool tell me I have to do that I'd, uh, I'd, I'd chuck it and I've got a quick question for John John you, when I went down to Melwood to speak to Jurgen about five six weeks ago, now it was he was talking about how he he says very little to the players directly after games because he he says that he feels like when the emotions are running high, he said whether whether we've won or lost, he said I prefer to kind of like almost like walk away and sleep on it, and then I'll I'll say my piece once 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 like the dust has settled the following day. What what's what's your approach? Well, it's interesting you say that because. Um... About two months ago, we had a really, really poor performance at home and we lost the game out of nothing. We dominated the game and lost. And I was absolutely blazing inside. I could feel my stomach churning. I knew the rest of the coaches were really upset as well. And and the temptation would be to go in there and then. And I had a reality check and I walked in, I took a deep breath and I said, listen, I said, I don't want anyone to speak about this. We'll speak about it on Monday morning. We'll go through the video, we'll watch the video. 
and then we'll all analyse it together and mm. we'll all have our own inputs. I'll have my input, the coaches will have their input and you just can have your input and we'll do this together, we'll work through this together because there's no point now it, me creating an us and them situation where I'm blaming them for their sure fallings when we're all in it together. It's not, we're not, we're not competing against each other, we're all in, on the same page. Yeah. And it, it would have been easy for me and the, the rest of the coaches to take the frustration out on the players. And so... I think that was a good thing in the end. Um, and it's not something I've done enough of, if I'm honest. I think uh, I have been guilty of, of letting off steam. And, and then and then you're only saying it for your own sake. You're not saying it for the better, betterment of the yeah. team. You're doing it to try and ease your own tension. And you're not, you're not gaining from it. And I'm, I'm always now trying to think, as I get older, is how can I make this team better? How can I get maximum output out of each player? How can I get maximum output? I'll put it to myself and the rest of the, the coaching staff. And so I'm always trying to do that. And now we haven't got great facilities, so you know, we're, we're on a plastic pitch, we get kicked off at half twelve by the football in the community. So, <laughs> you know, we we haven't got what everybody else has got. So we've got to then try and whatever we have got enhance it. And so we do that with personal relationships as Simon will testify mm. to what he saw over that weekend. That, that, that's what I found really interesting as a, the intensity of the relationships and how John manages to be obviously he's got to make I remember you saying you know that you've got the, the players have to like it they have to buy into you but then knowing when to separate yourself from that relationship and I remember in the dressing it was fascinating inside the dressing room you know John I think spoke for maybe two and a half minutes maybe 40 odd minutes before they went out and did the warm up and then when the players came back in, I was given the, the responsibility of choosing the music when the players came back in, which was major, major pressure. What did the, what did, I think I put a Heaven 17 on, didn't I? And it seemed to get them going anyway. I remember Mark Hughes, your centre-half, was 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 really into it. But um, yeah, so that was quite nice to, to do that. But then Jimmy Bell, his, his assistant, obviously, he, he sort of reminded the players yeah. of certain responsibilities after that moment. And then it was, in, it was in the period while the players were warming up. You know, I remember speaking to you in the dressing room, it's gone from a place of being a really noisy place to a place of absolute silence, really. And I always fascinated by that period in, in a match day when the manager almost feels like hopeless. There's a sense of hopelessness because all the work that he's done, there, there can't be any more done. So you're just sitting there waiting for the game it's to the start. Hour. I, I call it the lost hour. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we, we, we were sitting there having a chat about what you do in, in that period. And it did feel like sort of, how do, what, what can you do, really? And... You, you know, some managers read books, others, you know, sort of. Well, I think I, you sometimes do. Don't I, you? I, re- I was reading. I was reading yesterday, actually. Yeah. Funny enough, in that same hour. Yeah. Uh, Stillness is the key. I was reading, <laughs> which is uh, which quite is, uh, ironic. A, a, a self-help book trying to uh, go back to my stoicism. But no, I, I think it, it's a very, very difficult period, and and so why not use it to try and you know just reflect on yourself and what and how how you're going to be. And over the years, I've I've found that. The, the more you can you can concentrate on what you can what you can influence so instead of getting the head up about referees mm. and the opposition and and the state of the pitch and the state of the ball and you know if we can we can concentrate on what we can or focus mm. on what we can we can um we can influence so our own players our own thoughts our own actions and and that's what's been the the forefront of of 
me trying to get better as a manager, but trying to get my team better. Mm. Uh, John Coleman, we wish you continued success with Accrington Stanley. Great to have you in the studio today uh, for the Red Agenda. And of course, Simon Hughes and James Pearce, hopefully we'll, we'll see each other a bit more regularly in this year. I don't <laughs> think James is on a, a plane anywhere soon, <laughs> is he? So hopefully we'll have another Red Agenda for you in a week or so. Thank you very much for your company. You want to find out the latest offers, and there's plenty on theathletic.com uh, where you can find out how to get hold of a year's subscription for a snip of a price. And I tell you what, there's some brilliant writing, some brilliant articles on it as well. From myself, Steve Hothersall, from James, Simon and John, thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon.